0: If I told you Activision Blizzard withheld raises to retaliate against unionizing staff, how surprised would you be? Yeah, me neither. This is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. (laughs) Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. Coming up, CD Projekt Red has announced several new projects, and sports games are gonna start looking a little different. The National Labor Relations Board has found that Activision Blizzard withheld raises to retaliate against the Raven Software QA team. To recap what happened, in April, Activision Blizzard hired all quality assurance staff as full-time employees which is around 1,100 people who are now receiving benefits and a base pay increase to $20 an hour. However, Raven Software's QA team was left out of that. Activision at the time defended itself, saying that, quote, "...due to legal obligations requiring employers not to grant wage increases while an election was pending, Activision Blizzard is unable to offer new pay initiatives at Raven because they would be brand new kinds of compensation changes." Which brings us to now, where the NLRB has come to the same conclusion I came to back in April. Activision Blizzard used the hiring of all contracted QA teams as a way to retaliate against a unionization effort. While it's unclear how this revelation could help the Game Workers Alliance at Raven Software during union negotiations, former NLRB chairwoman Wilma Liebman told the Washington Post that these findings are a, quote, very preliminary win for the QA staff, and the QA staff could possibly use this as leverage against Activision Blizzard. Though, it doesn't seem like Activision is backing down. Activision told The Post that it would defend itself against the NLRB's litigation and would take it to appellate courts if it came to that. Overall, while it was obvious that Activision Blizzard had been retaliating against unionizing staff this entire time, it's nice to see the NLRB finally catch up. Hopefully, with this first finding, we might hear about some other findings sooner rather than later. CD Red has released their plans for the next six years yesterday in their strategy presentation. In this 14-minute presentation, CD Projekt Red gave us six codename projects, ranging from a new IP to the continuation of the Witcher and Cyberpunk franchises starting with the new IP codename Project Hadar. There wasn't much given other than it's in the conceptual stages of development, so we probably won't see anything on Hadar for many years. And with that being said, most of these projects are in the early stages of development, where most of the work is still being done on the engine side of things, gearing up Unreal Engine 5 to fit CD Projekt Red's needs. For The Witcher series, there are three projects, Sirius, Polaris, and Canis Majoris. Project Sirius is being developed by the newly acquired studio The Molasses Flood, which will be an innovative take on the Witcher universe. Project Polaris is an ambitious Witcher trilogy being developed by CDPR's main studio, which will start off with The Witcher 4. CDPR wants to release this trilogy over the next six years, and Project Canis Majoris is a story-driven open-world Witcher RPG being developed by an unnamed third party. Now, the Cyberpunk franchise has two projects in the works, Project Phantom Liberty and Orion. Project Phantom Liberty is the expansion for Cyberpunk 2077, which is slated for sometime in 2023. And Project Orion is the sequel for Cyberpunk 2077. Orion seems to be in the conceptual stage like most of these projects, so I wouldn't expect to hear anything tangible for many years. And in addition to all of these lofty projects, CDPR also announced the formation of a new studio, CD Project Red Boston, which is going to be working on the Cyberpunk 2077 sequel. Overall, CD Projekt Red is putting a lot of pressure on their 700 developers across the globe, and I have to wonder if they're going to put all of these projects out without crunching their teams, launching a buggy mess, or canceling any of them. An interesting lawsuit concluded last week against Take-Two Interactive. Tattoo artist Katherine Alexander sued Take-Two for reproducing the work she did on pro wrestler Randy Orton in the WWE 2K series, which Alexander argues is not fair use. Now this case dates all the way back to 2009, where Alexander was trying to get a licensing deal with Take-Two over the use of her tattoos, Take-Two didn't want to license the tattoos and offered her $450 for the rights to use her designs. Alexander waited until 2020 to file her lawsuit against Take-Two, where the judge made a partial summary judgment and escalated the issue to a trial, allowing a jury to determine if this was copyright infringement or not. The trial was finally held last week, and the jury ruled in favor of Alexander, forcing Take-Two to pay Alexander $3,750 in damages. While I understand protecting your copyright, I have to wonder if this lawsuit was worth the two years of litigation. But what's clear is that this will complicate making 100% accurate character models for sports players in video games. Unless the company can come to an agreement with the original tattoo artist, your favorite wrestler or NBA player might be looking a little wonky come 2K24. All right, well, that's it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back tomorrow for even more video game news. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Twitter at Lloyd underscore RNG. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Limit Break Radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening.